0: Welcome to the California Probation Connection Podcast. On today's episode, we dive into the evolving landscape of probation and discuss just some of the efforts used to address the complex mental and behavioral health needs of individuals on their journey toward reentry. So today we're joined by the current CPOC president, Chief uh, Jennifer Branning, who is uh, joining us from quite some distance. How far away did it take you to get here to Sacramento today?
1: Well, thank you for having me. First of all, I appreciate the opportunity. And it took about three and a half hours to get here. Um, it was a little frosty this morning. So I had to uh, defrost two cars, but uh, just because I wasn't prepared for the, the frost, but uh, it was a great drive. It was really beautiful.
0: Oh, that's great. Well, that's a nice thing about the state, right? It can be a beautiful drive if you have to go a long distance. And you certainly did travel a long distance from Lassen County. And we appreciate you joining us today. And I just want to personally thank you for being such a wonderful, president and we're coming towards the end of your term and I'm going to throw you a uh, uh, a little bit of a curveball right out of the gate okay. I, I know we're going to be talking a lot about mental health and and how that impacts our system but um, just wanted to start with was being CPOC president all that you had hoped for <laughs> Uh, you know, it was all that I
1: hoped for and more. Um, I can tell you that I've learned a lot from some very great people, um, our CPOC staff. Uh, we have, um, of course, an amazing leader. You've picked a great team. Um, you really have put a lot of time and thought and resources into who you bring into uh, the CPOC fold and how they come into it. And um, I think that CPOC actually works better than a well-oiled machine. Um, I think... Um, a person in our office, Callie, coined the social intelligence phrase around our building. And I think that that's what a lot of the CPOC staff bring to the table in trying to anticipate what the needs are and really kind of nailing that and making sure that everything is thought of before you even think you need it. So (laughs) that um, has been very amazing, learning a lot more about communications, the statewide process, the legislative process our own process as an organization. How can we grow ourselves? How can we look at fiscal sustainability? Um, How can we look at really uh, honing in on very specific and needed services um, and programs for our clients and trying to be good partners in the process?
0: Well, um, I appreciate all of that. As as usual, you are very magnanimous. You always are, <laughs> are uh, you know pointing to others in in some of the work that you've done. You've been such a great leader for us this year. It's um, as every year seems to be a, an eventful year, a tough year, a lot, you know, comes on one's plate. Um, and so uh, I, pre- I just, I appreciate you and I appreciate you just showing right there what really kind of is, uh, is something we see all the time in dealing with probation, you know, thinking about others, trying to figure out what it is to make something work, make something work great. And that's one of the things that um, hopefully we'll talk a little bit about today and how you deal with uh, and how probation specifically deals with mental health. And, you know, we know mental health is uh, a complex issue. Uh, it's not a one size uh, or one solution fits all. Um, we know that it's also pretty prevalent in our in our caseloads. And, um, and so we sometimes have to be pretty creative in trying to get those that uh, need the help the help. So um, I, I'd love to start really today's topic with uh, a question around um, what are some of the unexpected changes that um, are the challenges, I should say, that are involved with dealing with the mental health needs of the population on probation?
1: I think some of the challenges are we have seen the population change. Um, Their needs have become more serious. Um, We really look at addressing people with moderate needs um, in a different way. And our population of people with mental health um, needs has grown in that um, high-risk category. Mm -hmm. And so what we find is that they take more time, more effort, and more specific services because now we're really focusing on those that have the highest need. They're the most generationally broken. Um, They have um, suffered a lot of trauma uh, in their life, and nobody has really taught them how to deal with that anymore, and um, nobody has really thought about how that trauma-informed care really can help somebody come through that, but I think people don't understand how intense that is um, and how much it takes to be able to provide that.
0: When you say people don't understand, would you would you say that's the the probation... Uh, the probationers that you're working with—is it the leaders that you need to try and get the appropriate funding for? Is it the community? All of the above. It is all of the above. Yeah.
1: Um, I think ev- um, there's just you know an overwhelming um, kind of ideology out there, or just idea that maybe uh, people with mental health needs—they just need to attend counseling, they just need to take their medication, and then everything's going to be okay. And that really isn't what it is. Um, It is really trying to teach people about emotional management, emotional regulation. Um, It's trying to help uh, people in the community come to terms with the mental health population and be able to look at meeting somewhere in the middle about social expectations. Um, because we tend to have those and uh, some of us just don't even know that. And um, it's not usually socially acceptable to walk down the street singing um, at the top of your lungs, Um, but that's, or dancing. Um, And that's sometimes what um, our population with mental health um, issues do. And when they act differently and outside of those social norms, I think that that causes people to become uncomfortable. Um, And I think that Um, Nobody really understands how intense some of those needs are at the front end, Um, and if you can provide that, then you're going to be able to see some success. And I think that we just don't talk enough about how long it takes to really reach um, that point where you can start um, tapering off with some of the intervention that you provide.
0: Well, I want to pa- unpack a few things that you shared there because I thought that was really um, helpful to start drawing a picture around what this looks like um, for uh, a probation caseload or a probation interaction. And, um, you know, there's, you know, you talked a lot about some some very significant and serious challenges. And there's, would you say there's a spectrum of, of those who are on your caseloads where some may not have as severe um Uh, mental health challenges where others maybe are really at the farthest end of that spectrum is, do do you see all of it?
1: We do. We see it from the beginning to the middle to the end Mm -hmm. um, in our caseloads. And some people with um, the lower spectrum of mental health needs, we can help them within the community. Um, We can help them get medication. We can look at uh, counseling services, Sometimes it's um, one thing that we've done locally is we've created our uh, a program services manager kind of position. And um, we really looked at how um, our expectation needed to change of that um, in that we thought that they were just going to be there to assess someone, provide a few services and then kind of like move on. We realized that we needed to expand that and really look more at um being able to really connect with somebody on that lower level end, getting them some of those services, um, taking them there, um, kind of doing some of that warm handoff. Sometimes it's just to sit and talk to them for five minutes. Uh, sometimes it's just have a cup of coffee, um, talk them through the day, mm-hmm. uh, provide some different classes and thoughts and ideas about emotional management, um, crisis kind of management, uh, better communication. So that's kind of what we do with our lower level. Then you see some of that medium level to where there might be some kind of crisis intervention where you have to take somebody uh, to mental health or try to bring somebody from a mental health provider um, in your county behavioral health. uh, Bring them to your office to help somebody kind of really work something through something more serious to where then we have some more um, people on our higher end. And they have some very significant mental health diagnoses, and they might be experiencing some very serious um, issues, and they need to uh, really go more to a hospital environment.
0: So uh, talking a little bit about that for a minute, I mean, obviously... Uh, I often think of probation um, as being, uh, you know, superheroes. Uh, they pretty much can do just about anything, from what I've seen. Um, but you really, you really can't serve every potential need for somebody who is on your caseload. So that requires collaboration, connecting to the right services. Um, sounds like that's something that you're talking about. So can you share a little bit about just how does that look in? In your county or in some of the things that you have experienced, what does, what does collaboration look like? How does that come to bear in, in a case management?
1: And so I think most counties probably have um, adult services committees um, along with juvenile services committees. And that's where you really come together to do some case conferencing. Uh, to be able to talk about what are some of the bigger issues and needs that are emerging within our population, Um, what are um, some very specific challenges that we have. Um, We're able to all sit down at one table And all talk about it at the same time so that everybody hears the same information. We all get, you know, uh, some of the same ideas and we can really uh, kind of throw some opportunities out there. Um, We can really rely upon some other people's knowledge and expertise. Um, And I would like to be able to say that sometimes in some smaller counties that really allows us to cut through some red tape and be able to, um, really, uh, dive in and get somebody some help right then when they need it, um, because a lot of times that's a challenge, um, in the moment when you need some help, it's really hard to get somebody there, um, and I believe that sometimes in a rural county, um, we're, we're able to access that a little bit easier, uh, just because we have some of those really strong relationships that are already kind of built, um, and we all know that the passion is there and that we all care about our populations and those are usually one and the same so that's really uh, been beneficial.
0: So uh, I love to talk a little bit about um, kind of a smaller rural setting you know because there's you always hear and it's kind of it makes sense right that there would be some challenges but one of my favorite stories you know early on and I had to call you in in your career my career and to talk to you about something and you were literally standing on a ladder at the time i'm not sure if you remember mm-hmm. this but you're standing on a ladder and you were explaining to me that you were changing out the light bulbs in the you know uh i think was it the hall at the time did you guys have uh, a facility our, yes. open um and so I, I was like, oh, okay, well, I can call you back and you're like, no, you have just multitasking. I can do it. And he said, isn't there somebody else that would be able to to do something like that? And you're like, well, we we have to do it all here um, in in our county and so got to find solutions. So I, I, that just really stuck with me um, as far as a, is that a strength or a weakness? I
1: think, in a lot of ways, it can be both. Okay. Um, I think that it can be a strength in the fact that we we just get things done, mm-hmm. um, and you just move through the day, and whatever piled up, you unpile um, later on. Um, and somebody got what they needed, and they got the help that they needed um, to be able to move forward for their day, whether that be somebody on probation, or that, whether that be one of our staff, um, or whether that be one of our partners. Mm-hmm. Um, And that's the way that I think that it's a strength. Um, In a weakness, I think that um, we all give 150%. um, And so at the end of the day, um, it can be tiring, um, or you can sit there and kind of look and be like, oh, no, there's a lot of stuff there. I got to finish getting done. Um, So I think that that's the... The kind of only way that it's like a little bit of a weakness is that it just creates a little bit more of a roadblock and a backlog and you just have a little more to get through for the day, though.
0: Right. You don't have as many maybe resources available where you can pull somebody in maybe to do something. You have to figure it out yourself or you know, insert the light bulb yourself. So apparently it takes more than one person maybe in other counties to screw in a light bulb. But yeah. in Lassen, it takes one really dedicated <laughs> chief probation officer.
1: <laughs> Thank you for that. It's um it's it's funny how we work so much as a team to be able to get things done because while one person might be changing that light bulb. There's two other people that are maybe fixing a light switch. Um, and I say that because it's the same thing with our probationers. Mm-hmm. Um, you have, you see it all of the time. One person is sitting there actually managing the the conversation with a probationer, managing the crisis, managing whatever it is that needs to be done. And there's two other people behind the scenes that have dropped what they're doing to be able to get that person the tools that they need in order to help someone receive the services that they need. To be able to um, really kind of uh, take care of what you know, that staff member's needs are to make everything um, as successful as you can.
0: It's really a jack of all trades, right? It sounds like you have to really be able to do just a little bit about everything, right? Um.
1: Yes, (laughs) because I think about, you know, training with our probation officers and skills that they have. And one skill that they have in my mind is that they have a great transmission in their head because we switch gears 20 times in five minutes dealing with one probationer and you are going through and you're looking in your toolbox um, to see you know i'm going to pull out this tool to see if it works to de-escalate i'm going to pull out this tool to see if it works to um, help calm somebody down i'm going to pull this tool out um and you just keep going through that toolbox until you find the one that works and then you just keep using that one until it doesn't work anymore (laughs) Um, so you can switch from de-escalation you can switch from probation officer to just listening to someone, to trying to calm them down. Um, and all of that gear switching, I think, you know, that's the best way to be able to explain it in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and that really is a trait that um, all of our uh, probation officers tend to have. So that is um, one thing that is the most helpful, I think, um, for us um, is uh, training people to be able to have those tools in their toolbox.
0: Yeah, exactly. So important, and maybe perhaps more important in in a smaller county because there's there's maybe not another person behind the, you know, the door that can come in and, and do that. Uh, you know, you mentioned earlier a term that I hadn't heard before, but I'm I'm wondering if it if it kind of uh, describes a phenomenon that I'm. Maybe, or I shouldn't say phenomenon. Maybe it's just simply an epiphany for me. But the emotional management, and so you know, you talked a little bit about you know sometimes you you were collaborating and bringing in a, a behavioral health expert to to really deal with a significant diagnosable uh, mental health uh, issue, but. I'm wondering, are there people who are on your caseloads who don't necessarily have a significant mental health diagnosis but could still benefit from some sort of behavioral um, health interventions? And and what does that look like? And is that what you mean when you say emotional management? So
1: um, one thing that um, brings emotional management to my mind is um, with our juvenile population and the Juvenile Justice Realignment Block Grant, we were able to work with uh, Dr. Janet Cunningham, and she created um, uh, and collaborated with Jennifer Peterson, who runs um, Lassen Intervention. We had an RFP that was out for services to provide um, family services, overall health and wellness, um behavior management, um, change thinking, um, cognitive therapy, a lot of different um modalities to our population that has the highest needs. Um, and through that, they really worked on creating um, some classes regarding the emotional management, anger management, um, and being able to meet people where they are and meet their entire uh, family where they are on our juvenile side and um of course in a small county we have small numbers so those numbers are um you know 5 people participated for Um, successfully completed and one um, didn't complete, not of their um, own doing. Um, So to me, that's a very successful uh, program and that's in its third year. And that was just being able to collaborate locally and talk about different things that we've seen over the years within our community to be able to provide those services. So what we realized is that, yes, our lower and our middle population could really um, benefit from those same services in some smaller doses and just not as intense. So we've been able to create some of that. Um, We've also been able to borrow from what we've learned in our adult population and those um, people who have lower risk and um, less severe needs, um, maybe even some medium needs. We've been able to create more with our program services manager to be able to look at putting on some daily life skills classes and in those really kind of looking at communication. How do you communicate? Um, you know, you don't call your boss bro, um, you know, you you call him sir, uh, things like that. And just giving some of those communication skills that mm. actually caused some of our probationers anxiety because they just didn't know how to right. um, deal with some of the situations. And I think that that's across the board um, with probation is that, you know, some of our population just doesn't know how to deal with um, anger. They don't know how to deal with... Um, being sad. They don't know how to deal with being happy. Um, And sometimes they just don't even know how to deal with being proud of themselves. Um, And sometimes they want to sabotage that. And with these classes, um, a lot of it really teaches them how to not do that and give them some better uh, daily skills.
0: It sounds a little preventative, it, it, right? I mean, it's a little bit like you're trying to avoid the mental health crisis that maybe builds up after too much of anxiety in a, in a situation where then maybe you need to find a, a behavioral health specialist that can come in and, and then treat something that happened after the fact. Is, do, you, do you feel like you guys are doing a little bit of that in, in the caseload management?
1: I think um, across the board, everybody's doing a lot of that Mm -hmm. um, in trying to teach and prevent um, prior to having to move farther into a system um, and to really um, look at who is it that we bring so far into the system that we're providing a lot of case management through and a lot of therapy through behavioral health and really looking at a lot of psychiatric services as well. Um, I think that we... Really try to um, look at what can we pull out of our hat for the day uh, to be able to say this is going to meet, you know, a majority of the needs um, and create that or have that service within your um, county because a lot of counties are bigger than ours. So they already have some of those services to where we're trying to um, kind of put some of them together.
0: So thinking a little more broadly outside of the county that you're in and just knowing that you've uh, been the president and so you've been in a lot of our meetings, our discussion, just kind of learning about like statewide impacts like you were talking about, we hear a lot about just Politically, right now, one of the biggest concerns is is our inability to maybe address a lot of the mental health um, issues in our society as as a whole. That that we need more attention in that area. There's going to be a, a, a you know an initiative on the ballot talking about it. All of those types of things. Do you see any of that as as Uh, potentially helping some of the things that you see on a daily basis in your community? I think
1: statewide it's going to help a lot, but I think it's only going to help when we have the right people at the table having the right conversation. Um, I believe that locally what we do is we collaborate at a leadership level, we collaborate at a staff level, and we make sure that everybody kind of knows what that is um, flowing flowing, um, up and down. we really look at making sure that we're talking about what's going to work. Um, Do we need mobile services? Do we not need them? Um, Where should we focus them? How do we focus them? Um, How do you really uh, get through to um, somebody with mental health needs, um, not even just on probation? And a lot of times what we find is that the probation officer becomes that grounding point for that probationer because a lot of probationers, um, have experienced so many different um, things in their life that they need um, a little more support. And they have that trauma lens, and they see the probation officer as almost non-threatening and the one that's there to help them because they're the one that's consistent. They're the ones that follow has followed through with everything that they need. Yeah. And in all honesty, when you look at um, being able to um, case manage more as a group, Um, that starts to really become um, a focus and the probation officer can really offer a lot of insight into that. And I think that that relationship that a probation officer builds with people who have um, some of the highest needs and they have some pretty severe mental health issues um, and there's already that trust that's there, I think that probation can be at the table to talk about how do you create those relationships. Um, not just for the probation officer, but how do you help a therapist create that relationship? Um, How do you help uh, somebody from community social services create that relationship? And what does that look like? And so when I say collaborate, all of us at the table at a state level, um, I think that that's what it needs to be. I think that it's critical for probation to be able to be at that table to talk about that.
0: Yeah, no, well, you know, you're seeing him... to the choir here, preaching to the (laughs) choir, whatever the saying is, I I couldn't agree more. You know, um, some of the comments that you just uh, shared kind of bring something to mind that, um, that I remember hearing a long, long time ago, and and when I was learning a little bit about what probation does, and what is that relationship but that relationship manager, you know, that they become a real, um, oftentimes stable, and, you know, you're driving towards positive relationship um, with with your client. And that is uh, really important for right for that connection.
1: It is huge. Um, It's trust.
0: Trust um, yeah. You
1: really build trust with somebody because the one thing that has happened to them so many times is that they've come to a, an agency, they've tried to get services, they haven't been able to, something's happened. Um, somewhere along the line, they've felt that there's been some kind of moral injustice to them um, and they can't get past that. And when we work with um, probationers, even though they know that we're going to hold them accountable, right? They still know that we're going to be there for them. And that along with that accountability also comes the assistance Mm -hmm. and the help getting the services that they need. And that no matter how hard it is, no matter how much we have to set aside, we are invested in your individual success. Whatever that looks like, however we've planned that out with you, we are invested in your individual success. Let's go.
0: Yeah.
1: Let's put the work in and let's get there.
0: If you were able to change one thing about how our system or um, probation in general interacts in, with some of the complexities of our mental health needs of our um, population, is there any anything you wish could happen that, that's not on the table yet? Oh, if I had a magic yes, wand? Yes, magic wand time. Okay, if I had a
1: magic wand, I would wave it across to our state and i would make sure that each probation department had a mental health therapist embedded in their department that would be able to understand how probation works understand how the mental health system works and help us to bridge that and bring it together right then and there in that one space mm-hmm. so that nobody had to go over here and explain um, what Johnny might be going through today. Nobody had to go over here and then here and then here. We would be able to have that mental health therapist right in our office that had access to the county behavioral health psych- psychiatric services so that we could really streamline that um, and we could really get that assistance for them right then and there. I believe that in the when there is the need and in the immediacy, I believe that that would create better relationships and that would be, create more receptiveness to the services from our probationers.
0: Well, we know it's really important when they are even open to any kind of change to seize on it, right? And, and so um, trying to bring everybody together at the table would be important. I can definitely, definitely see that. Yes, So, what didn't I ask about this important topic that we should be asking?
1: About mental health? I think that we should be talking about um, mental health in a way that encompasses all wellness. Mm -hmm. Um, Because sometimes you can have something medically going on that's creating some of the anxiety or triggers or something like that. So, I think that we need to look at it from just a wellness lens. Um, and being able to c- look at bringing in for our probationers and our population, um, do you need medical services? You know, can our public health help you? Uh, do you need nutrition? Um, do you need anything um, as far as uh, just physically? You know, uh, what about emotionally? What about um, exercise-wise, um, health-wise? You know, a lot of people with substance abuse problems, they, um, it affects their teeth. Um, mm-hmm. Do you need some dental work? Do you need some nutrition work? to look at um, being able to have some of the um, nutrition that you need. So I think that we need to start looking at it from a wellness perspective because I believe that each one kind of touches the different things. Mm -hmm. So that's something that we're looking at incorporating locally is being able to see a little bit more of that, especially with CalAIM um, now that that's uh, kind of coming out and uh, we're trying to all grapple and manage with that, um, whether it be statewide and locally. Um, um, So I think that that's one thing that we need to do, but I think that we also need to make sure that we can't help anyone if we don't help ourselves. Mm -hmm. So we have to make sure that we take care of our wellness needs um, so that we feed our souls um, so that we're able to help other people um, because uh, we all know that that won't work if um, we're not in a good space ourselves. So we just have to make sure that we always um, listen to each other. Um, We have you know, uh, locally what we typically call family time, um, you just talk about something good um, throw the medicine ball uh, do some yoga go for wellness walks um, for 15 minutes so that you're not focusing on um, all of the things that happen during the day mm-hmm. uh, and you go home and you're already transitioned into feeling pretty good about it and whatnot so I think that those are two things that are very important.
0: Well a good reminder that you know um, mental health and taking care of your mental health is not necessarily a bad thing or just only being done or needs to be addressed when something you know traumatic or bad happens we got to try to you know build that preventative um steps in for for everybody and um mm-hmm. when that doesn't happen you know we we maybe see it more often on our caseloads and so uh so I can imagine wellness that's that's a very good plug it's definitely one that I you know we talk about around our table a lot with the other chiefs and uh trying to keep that at the forefront you know that's
1: we do and i think uh everybody knows for myself um i paddleboard a lot um yes, and that's do. my uh that's my yep. wellness mm-hmm. and how i uh, kind of like replenish myself but i think it's really important for people to recognize that, you know, it's okay to have a bad day. Um, and it's okay to say, hey, I'm having a bad day. So I might be a little, you know, so don't don't talk to me, I might be a little short. <laughs> um, I think it's just okay to support each other that way. Um, and to be able to bring that into all of our interactions, whether it's with our co workers, our peers, our staff, um, or anybody else.
0: Well, I know you always um, give that uh, kind of Uh, encouragement at the end of all of our all chief calls, you always tell chiefs to go out and and try to do something, you know, that whatever it is that makes you happy. And yes, we do know that the paddle boarding is definitely (laughs) what, uh, what you do. And that kind of takes me to the last question, just something uh, fun that we try to do as we close out our, our podcast uh, each time is, uh, and ask everybody who comes on the show, if you weren't working in probation, what do you think you would be doing? And obviously you can't just say (sighs) paddleboarding because I'm not sure that there's a professional paddleboarding circuit yet, but maybe there is, I don't know, (sighs) but you, you know, what would you, uh, well,
1: it's a little bit hard because, you know, maybe a yoga paddleboard instructor, but since that's probably not realistic, um, I think I would be either doing some kind of counseling, Mm -hmm. um, or life coach, um, with, maybe adults with developmental disabilities, or even our probation population, and how can you motivate yourself, overcome, and adapt? Um, And instead of saying, I can't, say, how can I? Um, So I think that that's something that um, I would love to be able to do um, in whatever realm, which I think is um, almost the same as being uh, a probation officer. I was just so. say, well, wait
0: a minute. It sounds like you're describing your dream job is the job that you have. But yeah. The attitude that you bring to it is so awesome to share. And I really appreciate you making the long drive to to talk with us taking the time out of your day to do that but also for the um, not just this year serving as president to all of your peers um, around the state but you know it's many years in our leadership and uh, and I know you have paved the way for for a lot of others uh, that will come behind you so thank you very much for thank you for your service. Well thank you I appreciate that um, you're right I don't take kudos a lot so uh... that's right <laughs> but you need to that's that's Sorry. your that's your I'm, I'm going to manage you a emotionally, you need to take the compliment. You've definitely earned it. Right. Well, thank
1: you. I appreciate that. And I appreciate being here.
0: Well, thank you again for joining us. And um, I hope uh, folks will uh, enjoy this episode and come back and listen to a few others as well.